Lauren, out of curiosity, what did you do yesterday? Yesterday? Um, well, I flew to New York yesterday. I had an on-time arrival to LaGuardia, which was really exciting. And oh, I'm LaGuardia. sure... Yeah, which is like a third world airport now. Have you seen yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> I flew you've seen into it, right? JFK last month, and it was so nice. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to try to do it again this trip, but it didn't work it's like, out. Yeah, uh, LaGuardia, it, it was like JFK is like the midway-ish of, uh, I think, New York, and LaGuardia is definitely the more... O'Hare. I feel like O'Hare and Midway are both nicer than LaGuardia. Yeah, and maybe nicer than both LaGuardia. nicer than JFK, but yeah. it's just <laughs> Well, look, we <laughs> our airports are older than yours. And That's also true. and the thing, LaGuardia's airport right now is just basically like flying into an open construction site because they're just tearing mm-hmm. it apart. Thank you. Thanks, Cuomo. He's ter- he's at least putting some infrastructure in place. It's insane that they built two airports and didn't realize that people had to get to them yeah. from them. Yeah, the taxi stand was a bit of a mess, which I don't know if that's going to be fixed or if that's going to be like one big bottleneck forever. But I don't know. Uh, I don't know oh. what their long-term solutions. Anyway, what I did yesterday was nothing, and the reason was because I was paralyzed on my couch um, watching football. And, it's what a, and what I did was similar to that, except I got up at eight thirty in the morning and drove with my dad to a parking lot in New Jersey and started drinking, and then watched a football game in person. <laughs> in person. So IRL, I was at this game. Yeah. So we have to briefly complain about this. Uh, yesterday was a uh, like. A, a day that I think will be a pivotal moment for a lot of uh, people in the New York area regarding their declining interest in football. It's not the um, kneeling for the national anthem. It's not CTE. It's yesterday's Jets it's, versus it's Patriots. It's the game. over-legislation of this game. Lauren, how much do you care about football on a scale of from 1 to 10? Uh, maybe like 1.5. <laughs> like okay. for the sake of people I care about who care about football. You know? All right, so on behalf of others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the <laughs> 0.5 is just the acknowledgement that other people do. Yeah. All right, I envy that, and I think I'm going to try to join you on that on that spectrum. Where are you at right now? Uh, well, I would say about 24... Uh, Wait, where were you hours before ago? the game? And yeah, 48 hours ago, I was at like a solid six. maybe, And I at my height, I was probably at an eight or nine with like the my like true Bears passion. Uh, I think I'm right now at like a four and dropping. Um, what yeah. happened actually was that there was a game, the Jets were playing the Patriots, and there was a decisive moment in the game. There was one call uh, that the, uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins was diving for a touchdown. He either made it or didn't, but they ended up through a very arcane set of rules because the NFL has four sets of rules for what constitutes a fumble. Four sets of rules, not four rules. Uh, they ended up ruling it a touchback in the end zone. And the reason we're complaining about it now is because this is uh, something of a decisive moment for like, fuck this. League. It's just it, it, it's just the clearest example of a monopoly around a product going completely nuts and going. They, they're just completely over. They're like, we don't care. You'll watch it anyway. Like, you'll, we can just throw flags all over the field and call these like weird Byzantine like rules on the game. They're like, whatever, America. Take it. We don't care. We we let these like people that are like, essentially putting their lives on the line and, and get horrible brain injuries, and it's like, oh, you're still in America. Just quickly becoming crippled. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, like you're watching just like live action, like small car accidents happen. And then yeah, so I guess and my uh, also my interest before the game, and I was there. I had paid money to go see this game, <laughs> and, and and there was also another thing that was evident. I don't know if you noticed. This is another thing that also caused me to trend. I was probably a six point five before the game, and now I'm on to four, and also trending downwards. Uh, as far as my interest in, in the NFL, um, but it was also evident, like I, that they. I thought the NFL had gotten better with the commercial breaks this season. It's 
but for this game, you knew that like the the ratings were up, so the NFL was clearly like gaming it for longer commercial breaks. So like we're sitting there, and you're waiting. The players are all ready to go, and they're just kind of just like standing, waiting around, just like hands on hips. Just like it's like there's too many commercials there, and yeah. they just don't care because they're just gouging people. They're like whatever. It's like millions of people, and we're just we just got to push Fritos more or whatever stupid. Yeah, it's like, sixty minutes or of the g- naked egg taco from Taco Bell, which sounds that thing looks so weird. With I know. The egg yolk on the outside. How does it? <laughs> And the inte- you know Wouldn't the get everywhere. Yes, exactly. Is it an omelet? No, it's, it's no, like it's a like fried, a fried egg. egg. That's like the taco shell, and in the commercials, the yolk is on the outside, which like. <laughs> and you, they're like taco. Like the it. Taco Bell's like, yeah, eat it. Like eat up like <laughs> a, an, an egg. You put your hands on the, this egg, <laughs> this just fried egg, and eat whatever garbage. Wouldn't that be slimy? What? Yeah, it's, right. Yeah, that's yeah, it'd be the grossest texture ever. Um, this episode brought to you by Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Taco Bell and slimy as hell. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it was it, it was just a frustrating. I have I, I I want to quickly share like a, just a, a fascination of mine with this, and then we can move on from this football topic. Um, one of the the main fascinations that I've always had with like American sports is that we live in the land of the free, and uh, the off the, the frequent foil that they use for like the over legislation that you know we're the highest tax country in the world, which is not true which Trump is now saying as they try to pass their tax plan. Right. But there's this idea that the sort of opposite of that is this um, you know, confiscatory regulatory regime of Europe. And we're the ones that are free. We have guns. We have fireworks. You know, yep. We like shoot each other whenever we feel like it. <laughs> this is the freedom land. And yet the sports that we uh, watch and consume as a culture are the most legislated sports in the world. If you look at soccer, has 22 players, the same as football, and three referees, and one of them's in charge. Yeah. Football has five. Um, the NBA has three referees for 10 guys total. Ru- uh, rugby has three referees for 30 guys. Yeah. You know, and, and the... Um, well, baseball just added a couple umpires, too, for the playoffs. Too. They they had, the, and they have a yeah. legendarily huge rule book, too, with yeah. really arcane, you know, sort of esoteric rules that, like, we were talking about how, like, Dean Blandino and Mike Pereira, these guys, you need, to, like, a doctorate in football to even understand the sport yeah. that you watched all your life. And so my fascination with this is, like, why is it that in this freedom land we have the most on-field governance of any anywhere in the world. I mean, by far, nowhere has these stupid rules. And I think the reason is that, um, and this is this comes into play with this this play that happened yesterday, which is turning off many people to the ridiculousness of the NFL, is that when you have a super spelled out rule, it's an easier way to guarantee play-to-play consistency. Yeah. Like Tony Carrenti and Ed Achilles' version of um, holding should theoretically be the same. And the only way you can do that is if you specify the letter of the law very exactly. So you end up having these like situations where no human would judge that play to have been a warranting a turnover, but the law says so. And so we have to follow it. And so I think, I don't know, it's interesting to look at it from the perspective of like, is this really what like America, where Americans feeling on legislation really is like, just make it consistent and also onerous as opposed to having like more flexible legislation, any kind of, judgment call well, you know think, yeah. it's, it's the same way that we complain about government and except for we expect more out of government than any other country in the world because it does so much but, but also a lot like america this is where my conspiracy theory comes in where it's, it's just like the, it isn't evenly it's even it's not evenly applied it's a very subjective thing it happens in it happens in look what happened in the nba finals last year i guarantee you i guarantee you the warriors were going to sweep that um sweep that the nba finals but Everyone was like, "There's no way they're 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 sweeping because there's way too much money on the line for them to go back to to Oakland," and I was like, "I was I was like, no, that's 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 BS. I don't believe it." And then 
if you watched Game Four of that series, it was like, oh my god, they're like they're like whistles going nonstop. There, it's like it's a like I think it's kind of like they just clearly legislate things for the sake of profit. I think, in the, I mean, I have no evidence to support this, but there is a small part of me that thinks that the league tilts the scales a little bit for the Patriots, but I'm biased. So it's possible. Remember. Yeah. You have a theory that they're trying to revive like the lack of, or make up for the lack of Northeastern industry. Yeah. yeah. The, like the dying new Englanders who are just, just like their main industry now is just recovering from oxycodone addiction. Speaking <laughs> of Lauren cringe, but she's like, oh, okay, he's kind of right. Yeah, well, I'm thinking like there and lots of other places. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> uh, speaking of dying new Englanders, uh, let's get to, <laughs> I'm rubbing my hands together right now. <laughs> um, so there was an article that we were laughing at uh, that came out this week where it turns out that um, there was a, a reporter uh, that went and trailed the congressional pharmacist mm-hmm. uh, around. And Who works in a very quaint D.C. store. Did you yeah, say oddly like, quaint. A little too quaint. Saving. I know. It was like a townhouse. It right? was called yeah. Grubbs Pharmacy. Yeah. yeah, like this old... And it turns out that this person is filling out medic or um, uh, Alzheimer's prescriptions for members of Congress. And so, Lauren, okay, so you're a uh, you're an MPH. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have extensive knowledge of geriatric stuff. Masters in public health for the yeah. yeah, not Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, um, <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you? I don't know. What's your feeling like? To me, it's like uh, if someone is legislating and they, as the guy in the article said, can't remember yesterday, don't you think that's something that should supersede like medical privacy? Don't you think that's something that would impinge your ability to like act rationally, responsibly? Yeah, I mean, I think it would affect your ability to be a good um, legislator, but I feel like that's not really the question. The question is where do you draw the line and decide when somebody's right to privacy is overruled by their cognitive, you know, impairments. Um, what other conditions would you bring in if you start to go down the Alzheimer's route? Um, I think there's a lot of sort of sticky questions about it. Um, and also whether as an elected official, if you sort of waive certain privacy rights that yeah. the average citizen can expect to have, you know, should we expect more from people? And, you yeah. know, well, we, so and we talked about this a little bit before, yeah. you know, with like presidents and the expectation that they're transparent with the public about their health and I don't know how that traditionally is handled with Congress but well that's certainly I mean I mean now with Congress and now obviously the giant orange elephant in the room Donald Trump has been become like also like his health has been the most questioned certainly of a modern mm-hmm. president but I mean Reagan had a still Reagan was had Alzheimer's I mean maybe right. even yeah. as early as the beginning of his presidency and some people uh, said that he was getting pretty openly like senescent by the second mm-hmm. term oh the, yeah what, by the yeah. second election yeah by the second election and he had also been I mean not only had a had a you know a, a, a degenerative brain issue that was going on was at that point, not you couldn't really turn it around. He also was a victim of an assassination attempt and all this other stuff. So, like health issues were certainly um, a thing that have been. I, I think those are the two. Those are the ones that we, I'm sure there's other been other. Like there's a William Henry Harrison example of the one who just died within 30 days. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think I mean you know certainly as somebody I work in healthcare as well, and you mm-hmm. you understand that there's like completely onerous. In some ways, it's very good because the idea is to protect the individual. It's certainly an American. Mm-hmm. Right, privacy rights thing we think about where right. it's like I work in 
healthcare software and and you know with breaches that go on constantly we're always like worried like the biggest yeah, anxiety point of anxiety concern, yeah. is that like well we're just going to lose all somebody's like all of our medicaid data and it's going to mm-hmm. be unleashed upon the internet and right. yeah um so it is like so it's one of those things in in american public life we have a, a, a huge system of laws built around keeping everyone's healthcare private. But in the case of, I think there is a solid case to be made that in the case of public interest, that it's like, well, if you're mm-hmm. making laws on behalf of everybody, you you can, if you have a problem like that falls. You should maybe, be expected to right. be in good enough condition. Yeah. yeah. There was, there was a, I mean, in the presidential election, we were talking about this before, there was this um, brought up because, uh, um, was it you that I was talking about this with? But the... Uh, his oh yeah Trump's, yeah yeah his doctor about his yeah. doctor who wrote a lawyer being like he's the most healthy person I've ever met yeah he he is unequ- I can unequivocally state that he will be the healthiest man elected president and then what was his that someone pressed him on that what was his further follow up explanation do you remember that all the other presidents are dead so theoretically <laughs> yeah, Trump compared to the company he's in great standing yeah compared to like Martin Van Buren Trump is yeah. killing it yeah I mean um, he's not wrong. He, He's not wrong. Martin Van Buren is dead. Uh, How did and Martin Van Buren die? Probably At this I point, old age. About I mean, Van Buren, except for the street in Chicago named after him. <laughs> yeah. he, he and was, mutton chops. He was the first. Oh, I didn't know that. He was the first president from New York, I think. Hmm. I think he was a was he an abolitionist or something? I'm gonna have to edit this out because I don't think that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, no, I mean. So, okay, so technically, yes, that's true. Also, his uh, doctor looked like the guy from Jeepers Creepers, <laughs> like the like driving van psycho. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, um, when and you know, Hillary Clinton had a lot of health issues too. She fainted, which was kind of worrisome. Like people, she shouldn't. also fa- she, that happened again today. I mean, this is dating, timestamping this podcast. She, she fainted, fainted today, or she fell. She fell oh. again, but like I mean, so fall risk. Is, it, yeah, yeah exactly. Bad. Yeah, like, what does that mean? <laughs> like that when you fall when you're older, it increases your chance of more falls and other related health problems. I mean, I don't... How old is Hillary Clinton? She's 70. No, 68. So I don't know uh, if she really falls quite into that category where... But is that a pun? <laughs> yeah, if not, she falls into the category. Very uh, tasteful, Lauren. Um, yeah, I mean, the, it, it was one of those things... Again, that was another thing that I had written off as conspiracy theory and then uh, then after what happened on September 11th last year at the... Um, and now even... Today, I mean, it just seems like she hurt her toe, but she'd also mm-hmm. known, been known to fall before too. She like she when she fell as Secretary of State, like people were, like she she just constantly is like falling over. Like they, maybe they, she's clumsy. Maybe she might be just really clumsy. Do you want her near the button? Come on. <laughs> also, that was the, falls onto the third launch. worst September 11th for her because there was September 11th and then Benghazi and then her falling in public and not being able to stand up. That's not her day. No, nah, that's not her day. She just take off on September 11th every year. <laughs> No more ceremonies for her. Yeah, and I mean, the, the I think the reaction uh, that I had at the time last year when people were wondering, like, is she fit for office? Um, because you want someone who has stamina. Yeah. Uh, which is true to some degree. I mean, you want someone who's l- mentally lucid and not a psycho, first of all. But beyond that, you also right. want... Right. You know, I mean, that's sort of a good point, though. Like, if we're talking about somebody who has... I think with Alzheimer's or dementia, you worry about somebody's um, judgment as well. And I think, I mean... I don't know. There's other, um, like, look at Donald Trump today. You know? <laughs> like, do, do you think? Does he show any signs of it? No, I'm not saying he shows signs of it. I'm just saying if we're evaluating people you're based on their judgment, yeah. even that is sort of like a matter of opinion, right? So if yeah. you're gonna say, "Oh, this person has Alzheimer's," and so we know their judgment is impaired, well, I mean, then 
I think he's definitely getting close to diagnosable with something, don't you think? I don't know. I mean, I'm not an armchair psychiatrist. Yeah, he's that's the last thing you want to do. Yeah. But, um, right. I mean, I just think he's like very unpredictable. And I, it's like, ha- is that necessarily better than somebody who's in the early stage of some sort of dementia, but is otherwise a fairly reasonable individual? I don't know. That's a good point. If you yeah. have like a decision-making process and smart, good people around you, you're probably still making better decisions than someone who like... Just we, we categorically need, totally resist control. We need the control. memento yeah. guy as president. <laughs> Lenny? <laughs> yeah, no, the, the, Lenny. Like just the, the whole, uh, like the, their process, they, they have a good process, but they just don't have a good long-term memory. So they can just like run it through the short-term process. and no Trump way. would be great for that because he's got so much skin and it's wrinkly enough that he had have like a lot of places to write stuff. <laughs> yeah. I think with Trump and even with Hillary Clinton being, I mean, Trump and Hillary Clinton both, I think both. Two of the oldest candidates for presidency at the time, and Trump is was at inauguration day was the oldest president president to take office um, on inaugur- on his inaugur- upon his inauguration, um, and also with all this information like the Vox article about um, how many members of Congress it was. Multi- he said it's more than one that I right. filled the Alzheimer's prescriptions on top of other diseases that could be a pr- problem for somebody's mental health. I think it's a, it's something that speaks to our. I think a lot of you know, and Lauren, you can speak to this. Like I work in healthcare, I didn't plan on doing it. Maybe you had a passion for healthcare that you did, or like caring for people. But I think a lot of our generation is working in healthcare because what that Vox article also said, yeah, is because we're just going to have to take care of this whole gen. Mm -hmm. They run everything, but they're slowly losing their minds, and they're like the average age in Congress was like sixty six or sixty seven. There's like no represent, like there's very little representation of people in their like thirties or forties because they're just like the way the system is built. And interesting, interesting twist on that too is that the average age I think in the House of Republicans is in their 40s and the average age of Democrats is like 72 oh, wow. which is nuts yeah. because I mean no wonder the party feels very out of touch yeah and, yeah yeah I wonder if people were to find out that like their congressman had a diagnosis of Alzheimer's if it was somebody who'd been in the house forever like if they would continue to vote that person in because I also question the public's judgment a little bit and whether yeah. they'd be like oh well this is a surefire like you wait you, you need know. to call into question America the people of America's <laughs> I judgment mean, call into question. I know we have made flawless decisions since yeah, uh, I mean, since the beginning. So maybe it's just make it public and then say, "Hey, if you want Congress to have Alzheimer's, I mean, that's your yeah, you guys." But I think that's get better right? people. Yeah, I think that's totally. the issue, though. I think our generation. Like, so we we have to kind of we take it on this mantle. And we're like we've realized that like we're essentially there's more of them than there are us. So we're gonna, there's a there's more of them. And B, we're going to have to take care of them. So we have to kind of like monitor this. Are you talking about the elderly? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, because just because boomer, as boomers, yeah. more of that people move into that segment. So we're just Well, like we're a bigger generation. They're, millennials are a bigger generation than uh, boomers are. Right now. Or like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Well, and and twenty years from now, presumably, yeah, well, the, well, <laughs> that, that number that number will grow. That's going to be that Trump that. is the healthiest president. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who believes he has a finite amount of energy, and then if you exercise, you're bringing yourself closer to the grave. Yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, the thing about uh, you know discarding people about uh, or, or disqualifying uh, candidates about health, I think is because Lauren, you mentioned earlier, like. What, where do we draw the line? There's the question of like, what is the expectation that you have of right. medical privacy? Um, you know, but aside from that, it's like, what are the conclusions that we reach with it? Right. So like if you find out something about them, um, does that disqualify them in this term? Should that be an immediate right. disqualifier if they have certain yeah. levels of diagnosis? And a lot of times what it go and given the like abject level of partisanship that we are suffering under. Um, I think that there's not really a good way to, I don't think we're, our political sphere is responsible enough to get people's medical information because all that would happen is they would try to make, spin it into 
um, these horror stories about, I think there was stories of, uh, uh, it was Daniel Ellsberg who was seeing a, a therapist and that's what they used to smear him and say yeah, that he was, was unstable. Mental health uh, conditions. I feel like that right there would be like a huge one that would be very difficult to draw the boundaries. Right. Like. Yeah. And, and so, you know, so, yeah, with, especially it, for someone like, it's like, well, this person sought out honest, like treatment and help. And then they're like, well, now mm-hmm. it's like, they're crazy. It, and right. and it, which carries over that like latent kind of baby boomer or like fifties, like stereotype. Of, like, mentality hey, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. you get therapies for like wackos and, and, and crazy people and losers, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, and only lamos <laughs> like get, get yeah, the funny, ha- the funny farm. Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, and, 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 and actually the irony of that is that given the weight of the decisions and, the, and sometimes the morbidity of the decisions that you're making in Congress, every one of them should be getting therapy. Yeah. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. like right. they should all have the way to upkeep. Yeah, just for yeah. just for general maintenance. I also um, wonder about the actual implementation of it. Like, how do you even go about ensuring that everybody's health is what they say it is, and how yeah. do you ensure that the doctor is signing off on it or being honest or that they're yeah. reliable? I mean, yeah. if you think about all yeah. the doctors who will sign off on certificates exempting kids from vaccinations. Like, I think it's clear that there are people who are willing to. You know, sign something that's right. They they, they can just they, they can easily be persuaded to. Yeah, yeah they go get some Colorado marijuana doctor to say you're sane. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even you don't even need a doctor <laughs> anymore in Colorado. It's uh, uh, it strikes me as like given that the the many loopholes in it and the and the likelihood that that, that making medical stuff public would be mit- abused. It's uh, like a birtherism type thing. It's like this is something that we're going to use to disqualify the person from serving instead of attacking any kind of policy uh, position they have. It's not really what we should be judging politicians on. Um, I think that if it starts to get to like, I mean, my opinion, knowing nothing about this would be if someone visibly like Gabby Giffords style starts to display mental incompetence, then there should be like a kind of what, what, what it currently exists, which is sort of a soft consensus to like move on from that person. But uh, sometimes they don't want to let go. I mean, I could totally imagine if you told me that Nancy Pelosi was one of these people that was taking Alzheimer's medications. She's not. Well, at, she's lost a step. I mean, you know, I mean, Strom Thurmond was in there until Strom, it, yeah, it, like until he was a hundred years old. Like it, it, it was, and clearly, which is out, outrage in because he tried to fight the Civil Rights Act. <laughs> they should have kicked him out just for that. And yeah, and also he tried to fight the Civil Rights Act, and then was a blaring hypocrite on a lot of reasons. <laughs> yeah, he read the Charleston phone book instead of letting it pass. There was uh, the... the what um, I was going to talk about is his illegitimate child as well. The hypocritical... Like, well, anyway, we won't talk about it on the podcast. Th- this is, this is a, it's good, true. That's a good the, taste podcast. Please, yeah, we're not going we to impugn the good... Ch- uh, children out of wedlock here. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, beyond the pale. Um, the, um, the guy, the uh, pharmacist, released a statement after the story went viral. And he said, I'm not actually aware of any member that actually has Alzheimer's and would certainly not disclose any such information if I did. Yeah, so patient privacy is very important. <laughs> uh, speaking, that's not betraying somebody's patient. I mean, I guess it's, well, he no, didn't, it's a limited pool of people right. he could be talking about, but he didn't name anybody. That's No, he's, he's saying that, that I think he's, I mean, I'm sure he got in a lot of trouble for this and possibly he's going to get fired. But he said, speaking very broadly about disease states that the general American population have, um, and that it also applies to everyone, including people in Congress, do you, does anybody know what a disease state is? No. Like he's just talking about the fact that the American public has Alzheimer's and diabetes, and so he was mentioning those two conditions. I guess I don't know if that's. I'm just. Yeah. So, so he thinks. So he thinks he got like yellow journalism here, like where, <laughs> like where somebody took took a quote out of context and. Put I think it he's applied. just trying to backtrack. Yeah, I, think I, so I too. bet he but did like get re- in trouble for suggesting that. When I said Alzheimer's, I meant it was Theraflu, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and they were. <laughs> 
It was anti-Viagra because they're like, all too virile. It seemed like his original statement, though, was sort of pointing out that like he's privy to this really um, classified kind of sensational information. So, yeah, yeah. I think it's, any attempt he's saying now, like, the, oh, I was just saying that people have diabetes. The whole angle of the article, and if the, you know the journalist who wrote it had any like uh, integrity to it, was probably like, look, I'm doing a story on you. You specifically like cater to the people, like mm-hmm. the the congressional insurance is accepted here by by you. So and you clearly like it's close to Capitol Hill. You can yeah, take fulfill prescription prescriptions. Yeah. There's a lot of questions about this story too because it came. It, it was written by Aaron Mershon Mershon in Stat News, which I have never heard of. Um, and it's, it's claimed to be like getting access to like a really secretive arrangement that even the pharma lobbyists didn't know about how that happened. And how does she get this guy who, if he's so like careful about the, what he discloses and he's so obviously he understands the weight of his yeah, discretion just, and it's just yeah, blurting yeah. out shit about Alzheimer's. I don't know. It's kind of, yeah. it's kind of yeah. fishy, isn't it? I agree. Yeah. Anyway. Fake um, news, Lenny. Way to bring fake news. It's all her. fake news. <laughs> Our podcast. Crooked Meg, if you can hear this, I'm coming after you and your fake news. One of our most loyal listeners, so... Well, thank you for that, but unfortunately... We will continue to impugn you on on the air. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, um, let's go to a... um, So this week there was a story about the Boy Scouts, um, and uh, they basically... After decades of of petitioning from females that wanted to join the Boy Scouts... Um, which is apparently a pretty big organization, as you'll find out, um, and has something called Venture Scouts, which has always been co-ed and other stuff. Uh, They finally allowed um, girls access to the Boy Scouts. So um, my first thought when it happened was, do we need the Girl Scouts anymore? Now that there's girl Boy Scouts, um, like what need is there for the Girl Scouts? So um, I saw a Facebook post from a good friend of mine um, named Beth, uh, she's I, I, she's a friend from mine from college, and she was when we were in college. Uh, her high school friends were a bunch of Eagle Scouts. So um, from her, I kind of got this perspective on Eagle Scouts, which was uh, very respectful, uh, relatable. That wasn't that they were made myths out of. And I wanted to get her thoughts on um, what the future of the Girl Scouts is in a world where Boy Scouts can be girls. Okay, so. I'm here with uh, my friend Beth, who, um, Beth, you were a Girl Scout. Yes, I still technically am. I have a lifetime membership. Oh, so what was your experience um, comp- that you had as a Girl Scout? Well, first of all, how high up did you go in it? I was a senior scout. So the, the big difference between Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts um, is how they rank. Um, so with Boy Scouts, it's kind of more of an achieved rank. Whereas Girl Scouts, it's more age-based. Okay. Um, you still have to do things to make, you can't just like, you know, hang out and move up to the next level. But at a certain point, you age out of your level and you move up to the next, assuming you've been an active Girl Scout. Um, I will say that there was a, a artistic slant, um, more so necessarily than physical fitness, but there are physical fitness badges. But we did, like I say, a lot of photography. We put on theatrical performances. Um, we learned how to make our own lip gloss. Like, <laughs> or Weird, chapstick, rather. Questionable. You know, like some, well, you know, I mean, practical craft base, I guess. <laughs> but it is a lot to do with uh, involvement in your community and being a part of a group. But also a lot of um, leadership skill building. Uh, when I was, I, I want to say a freshman in 
high school. I was a cadet, so I would have been in that age range. Um, I actually attended a leadership conference in Rhode Island with the Girl Scouts. Um, it was an event they put on. And that was a really cool experience, I feel like, for you know a young woman kind of emerging into high school. Um, I mean, the first conference I attended and to even understand what that was and to be in a you know, a, a room or a building, you know, with all these other um, wannabe leader individuals and to kind of learn what that was and have all these older role models to look up to and ask questions to. Um, there was a lot of that. Like, I feel like there's a lot of learning within the group from the older girls in the group. Which is definitely a really valuable, like, learning experience. I mean, more so possibly than, I mean, there's not that much done in our world that requires, like, super individual, you know, survival um, it's mostly a lot of like group building, consensus building, t- you know, teamwork. Um, do you think so? It, th- this week, when when this was happening, and the Girl Scouts kind of clapped back at at the Boy Scouts, and they said they they completely um, denigrated the like they said their house is on fire. Um, like there's a lot of mismanagement, and like they have a lot of scandal and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But but additionally, that that Girl Scouts is a it's a the idea of a, like a single gender environment is a little bit kind of weird nowadays, but they were like, their case was basically saying, we know how girls develop. And it sounds like what you're saying is that seeing, being in an environment with a lot of female leaders and role models around you was actually really helpful. I think it was. Um, and I do want to point out what's interesting is that even with girls being allowed to join Cub Scouts, it's still going to be single gender environments. They're all female Cub Scout packs. Um, which I don't, you know, I don't have, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Like I, I personally probably would have wanted to be, if you're going to go co-ed, go co-ed. Um, cause it does kind of beg the question of like, what, what is their end goal? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like I say, I mean, there are two different organizations and I think that anything that gives people more opportunity to join whatever group best suits them is, is great because, I think they do have different um, emphasis. You know, I think the, the two groups will attract two different types of people. Um, and to ask, you know, why even keep, you know, keep the Girl Scouts around now that girls can be Boy Scout, Boy Scouts, I find like three major flaws with that question. Um, the first is that it suggests that the Girl Scouts did exactly the same thing as the Boy Scouts. Which, right. if they did, there wouldn't be a reason for the girls to join the Boy Scouts to begin with. They probably would have been content if they were doing the same things. Um, the second is that it suggests that all girls would rather be Boy Scouts. And I also don't think that's the case. Um, I think you'll still find girls who want to join the Girl Scouts. And the girls who are joining the Boy Scouts may never have joined the Girl Scouts to begin with. You know, They might see the appeal of this other organization that does have a you know more of a survival outdoor emphasis. Right. Um, if you just look at statistics and badges available and opportunities, there is like say an artistic slant to the Girl Scouts. Um, they do have STEM programs and things like that, but it's still a lot of, um, creativity and building and, um, development. But the third problem with that is that it suggests that the Boy Scout program is inherently better or correct. Um, and I think if you were really going to say, get rid of the Girl Scouts, you'd have to say also get rid of the Boy Scouts and start from scratch. And I think that if you just get rid of the Girl Scouts and have girls as Boy Scouts and you're calling them Girl Boy Scouts, like, come on, what is that? <laughs> like, you're already inferior and like kind of a second class rank. Yeah. You know, you just have to have Scouts. You couldn't be calling them. 
And it, you know. it sounds like, totally, and that, that makes sense. And it sounds like what you're saying is that there is, like maybe the, the girl and boy aspects of it, um, like the, that, that specifier of gender, um, and I say gender, not sex, because the girl and boy scouts have, I think, traditionally been very normative with what they try to teach their cadets or whatever, their, their participants. Um, um, I, I mean, the Girl Scouts at least have been open to transgender scouts. Um, they, they address it on a case-by-case basis, but if the child in question is recognized by their family and their community as their prescribed gender, they're welcome. Um, but I mean, I agree, like, you're, we're talking about them in binary terms, and you have plenty of youth that are probably feeling excluded because they don't even know which one they would be welcome in or where they would feel that they belong. Um, yeah. And, and that's and a also, whole other problem in and of itself. Yeah. And I think the Boy Scouts is, is a lot more religious and uh, they are more exclusionary. Obviously, they had that big like debate a couple years ago with gays in the Boy Scouts. Um, right. And I think that the, yeah, the Girl Scouts kind of pride themselves on being more, like much more progressive uh, and accepting. Mm-hmm. Um, when I say normative, I mean that like both. Well, to me, Boy Scouts uh, stems from a, a, a sort of social worldview in which it's wholesome to uh, teach boys uh, to become men. You know, to, like to elevate them, and like we have to, you know, sort of give you your man card, and you have to earn it. And mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of societies have versions of this, and and I think that um, that was seen as like a wholesome thing. Now it's not really seen as so wholesome anymore because th- this is how you breed a lot of. Um, yeah, it's, it's toxic gender norms. Um, I think the idea that, uh, and so I, as we're talking about, like, should we defend the concept of the Girl Scouts um, as opposed to uh, just eliminating both of them starting from scratch? Is there a reason why, like, a, a society such that is known as Girl Scouts, this is a place where females that are young learn how to develop, is that still a relevant concept? Well, I think it is. Um, I mean, we live in a world where women are still getting shouted down in boardrooms and classrooms all the time. And I think that there is, you know, a place for them to, um, a place and an opportunity for them to kind of find their voice and build the confidence to use it. And I think that that is still a very relevant concept. And I, I do want to say like with your, with the idea of Boy Scouts, you know, building this masculinity, um, I feel like Girl Scouts, when it was created, was kind of in the face of women's role and social norms. You know, it was like an outdoors club in around the turn of the century. You know, I think it was started in like 1912, if I'm not mistaken. And like that, you know, wasn't really the normal concept um, to get girls outdoors and swimming and playing sports. And um, so I, I think it still does that. It, it focuses a lot on professional development and career exploration and opportunities for women. And as much as I'd love to think we were live in a society where that doesn't need to be, or that one club for boys and girls can address the same issues. I think at that young age, there's still, it, it still plays a very vital role. Say you're at a high school that has an all female field hockey team and an all male ice hockey team. And you have some, female students who may or may not already be on the field hockey team, right? Because we were saying that the people who want to join the Boy Scouts may not even be Girl Scouts currently. Um, So you say you have students at the female students at the school who want to join the ice hockey team. And after, you know, much deliberation, the 
school decides, sure, that's fine. Women can play ice hockey. Assuming you have enough participants for both sports, why would you even consider getting rid of field hockey? Yeah. And the thing that that really drives home is that field hockey and ice hockey are completely equal, equally valid, right? Like, yeah. I mean, what, what my, my reaction to this story and, and the reason I originally defaulted to like, well, maybe are we just going to get rid of the Girl Scouts now that we have girls and Boy Scouts was partly based on kind of this, this presumption that like there was an inferiority there, which is exactly what you're addressing with that analogy. It's like, no, it's different. It trains a, sort of a different set of skills. I still think that it's possibly a little, I'm not saying Girl Scouts or anything they teach is outdated. I think that the idea of, um, of, of boys learn uh, this more like uh, vigorously independent style of leadership stuff and then like girls learn um, in like groups and stuff like that um, towards the goal of building, um, you know, stronger people in general, uh, maybe eliminating the gender direction of, you know, like there should be boys. The, the actual conclusion is that there should be more boys that join the Girl Scouts or whatever kind of like group teaches Girl Scout-like things, just the same way that there should be girls that are, are allowed to learn the more kind of independent stuff that, that Boy Scouts do. Yeah, and I agree with that. I really think, that, I mean, that's the other part of it when, you, you know, you talk about eliminating the Girl Scouts, like why eliminate options? You know, like if there's a place where people feel comfortable and that's their appropriate learning environment, it shouldn't matter what gender they are, you know? Like, I think I think that that's the thing. Like, letting girls into the mm-hmm. Boy Scouts is great if that's what the girls want. And letting, you know, opening things up and just letting people make their own decisions about their their learning environment and their, you know, where they feel that they belong. Um, I do have a hard time drawing that along gender lines. Right. Uh, tell me, take me through like what an Eagle Scout versus like a gold award or like you were a senior, um, what that's, what that relationship is like. I mean, across the board, I think the Boy Scouts are more, even if they're not understood, people have a better grasp of what a Boy Scout is and does. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was talking to people about this, not one person who hadn't been a scout or didn't have a child who was a scout could tell me what Girl Scouts did besides sell cookies. And that is a fundamental problem and it might be a PR problem and, you know, it might be a whole other thing. Um, but everyone everyone I talked to was like, yeah, you know, Boy Scouts, they're tying knots and they're making fires and they're <laughs> surviving in the woods. And they're like, Girl Scouts are baking cookies. I was like, they're not even baking them. They're selling them. Like, you're so wrong on so many levels about so many things. But, <laughs> um, but you know, that's my defensive nature as a lifelong scout. Um I think you're but, right, though. I mean, I totally, I, I don't know what that organization's participants do other than sell cookies. It's not well right. publicized. It's not, and it's not in our cultural mainstream, and I'm not 100% sure why. Um, I mean, they, Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts emerged in the same decade, you know, like, or around the same time period. Um, they came up together, and I don't know why there's so much uh, more societal prevalence of Boy Scout culture. Um, but aside from that, um, so... And, but the other side of that, so I think that has a lot to do with the Eagle Scout recognition. Um, I think the other part of it is that we go back to that achieved rank, right? So you are an Eagle Scout, right? It is, it is your total embodiment. Like you have done this thing, you have completed this project, you've impacted the world in some sort of positive way. A council has determined that you are now worthy of the honor of being called an Eagle Scout and it becomes part of your identity. If you're a gold award recipient, I mean, first of all, it doesn't roll off the tongue, right? I've never (laughs) 
first of all, and second of all, I only received the silver award. So I was a cadet scout when I did my project and you have to be a senior scout to achieve gold. So I did my project as a cadet. So I was in the silver range. Um, and it was on my college applications, right? Cause that's great. And I think that college admission boards recognize gold award and Eagle scout as comparable, but they're probably the only ones, um, besides the scouts themselves. They both have to be approved by the council. You know, they're rigorous and you have to right. do a lot of, um, you know, there's scouting requirements. And then there's also, like I said, the project components. You have to complete a report. You have to present it. You know, they're, they're massive undertakings in both regards. Um, but I, I think it's kind of this, your, this whole, like I said, the identity of the Eagle Scout. Whereas, like, receiving a gold award almost seems like, I don't it, know. Like it, it, it's it not seems like part it, of your being, right? It's not. It's not a, a, a an identifier anymore. So much as no. The same thing and that in you've this done. kind of community uh, community of like participation awards, I feel like awards have lost a little of their luster. Ah, um, interesting. Yeah. You know, and so I don't. I don't know if that's part of it or. Um, that definitely could. That's really interesting. Like, like in you, a world you a, that's profligate with awards, what is one yeah. more award as opposed to something that you are, and it's like a really badass thing to have attained. Uh, right. as an Eagle Scout. And so, yeah, no, that's interesting. Just the, the sort of um, presentation of that achievement. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you one last question. Um, uh, do, do you think that, that the Boy Scouts should let in girls? I think everyone has to evolve, right? I think if you're going to survive as an organization, you have to look at the world around you and see what it's asking you to do and what it's asking you to be. Um, and I don't, personally have a problem if Boy Scouts want to let in Girl Scouts and Girl Scouts want to let in Boy Scouts. I mean, I, I do think we'll have to reevaluate the naming situation. Um, I'm also really down with Venture Scouts, which already exists as a co-ed organization. I think they're under the umbrella of the Boy Scouts. Um, but I'm, I'm of the opinion that the more options available, the better. I can't say for certain, had I been given the opportunity, you know, at age five, I don't know if I would have picked to be a Brownie or a Cub Scout. And I think anything that gives, like I said, people more opportunities to be involved in something they want to be involved in. Like if there's not enough people for a Girl Scout troop, but you have a Boy Scout troop that has a girl component, like, and that suits you, that's awesome. You know, it's, it's going to bring more people to scouting, I think. And I think, and we'll see if it works, right? Everyone's all up in arms. Like, you, you don't even know, like, girls have been petitioning to be Boy Scouts for forever. And I would probably argue that some boys have quietly been being Girl Scouts, um, and we'll just have to see if it takes off. Um, gender stereotypes again. <laughs> play, play. Yeah. Speaking of gender, uh, I want to air a argument that Lauren yelled at me for, uh, before. I feel like we're not going to have time to hash it out and you're going to have to give me your whole argument again because I don't remember. Well, it's a pretty, luckily for all from. of us, I have a pretty stupid argument. Um, and you have a pretty rational response. Um, so Lauren, you're a like public health person. You understand rates of epidemics. I don't know what public health people do. That's, that's one of the things they do. Yeah. All, Population lot. health management. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds like a uh, eugenics. I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was complaining one time to Lauren about how the idea of like Movember and like men's health awareness makes me like deeply uncomfortable and she was like, why? Why? That's stupid. And I was like, I don't, I don't think I said that stupid this early. 
I think I let you like define your argument. And then once you heard it. Yeah. No, now now that I heard your argument, it's definitely stupid. (laughs) (laughs) And it it was stupid. It's based on, it's just kind of like this idea that I really don't like. I mean, breast can I have a lot of problems with breast cancer awareness because I think it's infantilizing and it's not What does awareness lead us to exactly? Totally. I think that's a fair point. Like we're all, well, we're all very aware that. Breast cancer kills. I, I, 100% of us have had somebody in our lives that have been affected by breast cancer in some way, you know, so we're, we're and that it's not a good thing. So. Even if you didn't know anyone personally, yeah, like, you'd you, have you, the you message could, by now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, yeah. You'd be at least a small amount of degrees away from somebody, yeah, and or through whether that or through media, then you'd, you'd know about, like... The, yeah, and there's a whole, like, the apparatus around it. I actually know someone indirectly who is really big involved with the Susan G. Komen Foundation and loves it, but... Uh, Isn't that supposed to be kind of a scam yeah i i don't i don't know i'm not gonna say it's a scam i don't maybe it is but like yeah scam is too harsh but just that like a lot of the money they raise just goes back into their advertising rather than yeah yeah. it's like 80 percent of it goes back yeah i think it's largely a marketing construct and i think it's certainly used largely like when dannon or certainly the nfl in october yeah yeah i think that it's used as that way the nfl's walked away now they let teams pick their own chair i think it was Hmm. as a fallout of the sujin g because there's a whole controversy around sujin g coman not um like pulling funding from Planned Parenthood and that kind of stuff, uh, which is a huge, obviously, proponent of women's health issues. So, yeah, so the idea of, like, men's health awareness, I guess it has to do with, like, testicular cancer, prostate cancer or something. Um, I don't like it on a very irrational, basic level because I feel like I want... I like the idea that, like, men can, like, handle their own health and, like, don't need anyone to, like, tell them. And Lauren was telling me my that argument was, was like, well, the numbers actually show that they don't. And Lenny yeah. was like, yeah, but masculinity. And that was <laughs> we went in some circles like that. No, I, and I agree. With because Martin. men like delay health care. I mean, they're less likely to go. I think they're more likely to ignore symptoms. These are the well, areas yeah. that I meant to read up on before I came so I could be armed with some stats. And instead, I'm not. But yeah. Um, in the ballpark, though, I think even you could. I mean, it, yeah, I think it, women are more likely to. And I think. Women are usually in the household the ones who might encourage a man to go, like mm-hmm. their husband. But um, for single men, if there's nobody playing that role for them, I don't know how effective the campaigns are in terms of people seeing like a, a subway ad and then going to get screened. Yeah. That's uh, sort of a separate question. I think women, yeah, the stats are definitely in favor. Women are much more engaged with their health and their and the health healthcare system in general. Whether That's also the nature of, I think part of it is they care about themselves more and they also, because women have, our mothers <laughs> and they right. I mean there's a lot of reasons as a woman that you kind of have, have to, be to be engaged in the healthcare it, yeah. system there's all the women's health yeah exactly and anecdotally I can say that as a guy who, a former single man I was totally disengaged with the healthcare system like people are like well what insurance do you have well like, hmm <laughs> like what who's your primary care provider and now uh, you are like so me? up in that world yeah. <laughs> <Am> I? myself <laughs> um, but yeah it is I, I, Lenny yeah Lenny that's it that's it that's a Hot dumb take right there, <laughs> because yeah, I mean it is men are disproportionately affected by like we we don't we see ourselves as kind of like like invincible. We don't like think of things that mm-hmm. like are that eyes being health issues that are, that are just like well I just go to the gym or I just do this. Whereas right. like well hey maybe you should get a screening for prostate cancer or you should be aware of like what your blood pressure is and that kind of stuff or it, like um, but you're like no nah, I can just do it myself. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like. Figure, figure yourself out. I, mean, I know, but I people am, don't yeah. figure that stuff out. Yeah. Like people make decisions that are so bad for their health every day, you know? So I don't think we can expect that people will like take the reins and do what's in their own best interest 
in well, terms of cancer screenings. Or, yeah. Or like do what's in their best interest and not order the naked egg taco at Taco Bell. <laughs> but men, <laughs> that alone I'm sure would men, be a game men changer. disproportionately are, are ordering We should that. find out. We should find the stats, the pr- but the it's advertised breakdown. to men. It's mostly exclusively advertised uh, as men consuming it. Which is also biased in their marketing, I think. <laughs> Speaking of bias, uh, let's move on to this. Uh, what, what we've all come here for. Um, I want to talk about uh, the politics of emojis. So <laughs> someone finally issue. wrote an article. It is the real issue. Someone finally wrote an article um, that expressed something that I have been thinking of for a while, which is should white people be using like emoji with like skin tones that are not white uh there's a couple vectors to this argument i think one is that for do you you guys use slack at work no but it's like uh all of a sudden i keep hearing people talk about it i don't know if it's new or if i'm just aware it's the hip chat mechanism and that's a joke because hip chat is a competitor yeah um slack is basically aim um r.i.p uh And yeah, they just good. made it a little bit better. They made it. Like, they made aim like twenty percent better and let you attach Google Drive files, and everyone went apeshit over it. Yeah. Um, I, it is a good chat software, but it's just a message coworkers like memes and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, in Slack, you they have you know full emoji range, and you can very clear if you hover over something, you can very clearly see what the emoji is. So if it's like a thumbs up, and it's like a thumbs up skin tone plus three, so it's very put out in the open when people choose stuff. So there's um, like. I see people that, you know, via text and via Slack, they have, they're choosing to use darker skin tones, which is my skin tone, damn it. <laughs> and they're appropriating it, and I don't like it. Well, how do you... you uh, yeah, what emoji do you use, Lenny? I use yellow. I think everyone should use yellow. I think, mm. yeah, well, yellow is the... Yeah. But the emoji with the pale hair and dark... Uh, or sorry, pale skin and dark hair is like my exact coloring. So I always use that one. Uh, that's but true. I don't it's know almost if exactly so the same haircut as you too. It's I know. Like, uh, I feel like it's, like, it's a really good fit. But if I ever dye my hair, I'm going to have to maybe go yellow. Yeah. <laughs> you well, also pointed out there was one of the emojis that was a blonde. The blonde man also has a black face. So yeah, like, which I know is like a very rare genetic combination. It does exist some places. But who's allowed to use that one? Is it only those people? Moreover, yes. will this impede my ability to use black Santa? Because Black Santa is my favorite emoji. <laughs> and because it, A, it proves Megan Kelly wrong that Santa is of all colors and all races. And B, it's hilarious to just send somebody a Black Santa race randomly. Weren't expecting that. Yeah, yeah, especially if you're just saying, like, thank you for something. And it's like, oh, what did you send me the Throw Black Santa for? Well, yeah. it's kind of, it, it kind of points to, uh, again, what would be an Infinity License episode without a Simpsons reference. But, like, in The Simpsons, everyone is yellow except for black people. <laughs> because, and yeah, poo. Yeah, Santa I mean, poo, yellow yeah. doesn't really seem racially neutral either it's so cartoonish i mean yeah the other skin tones are trying to resemble human well skin. right i mean they definitely are but it doesn't seem like yellow is exactly the middle ground i don't know i think um, it's a smiley it, i think it's all based off the smiley face um yeah. i don't i don't i think you'd be hard pressed to i mean obviously the connotation would be like asian people um and i don't i mean for example like if you're talking on levels of yellow and sensitivity I think the Power Rangers originally making the Black yeah. Ranger was black, yeah. the Pink Ranger was a girl, the Yellow Ranger was Asian, the Red Ranger, you know, like that. This is not that. Um, uh, I th- the Blue Ranger was a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> was that the case? Was he the nerdy one? I think now he's autistic in the new Power Rangers movie. They made him someone with autism. Do you know why the autism thing? I noticed this on Sony's why the autism awareness flag is a jigsaw puzzle. 
Have you noticed that? It's like is so it like, about like thinking differently or something? Maybe. They're like missing because it's like a missing puzzle piece. That's the one I saw today. It was is like, the piece like about to be placed or yeah, it's just right. gone? In the one I saw today, it was about to be placed. Okay. It was like it was like just outside of the puzzle, which was a heart. But I've also seen other ones where it's just like mm. the piece is just gone in a like, kind of kaleidoscope of, I don't know. I meant to Google this earlier. I heard an interview with an autistic guy who said that once he was, he was a, a diagnosed as an adult and he said that once it, he was diagnosed, he felt like he had gotten a user manual to himself. So maybe that's... I don't know the idea. Like yeah. now, you understand how it fits. In, in yeah, the piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Maybe. yeah, yeah. Also, do you guys know anything about like so? John Stewart has this um, like Night of Too Many Stars Autism Awareness. Yeah. What is that for? And what I mean at this point, what about autism? Like I thought we were in a like neurodiversity embracing air like time in which autism isn't seen as a bad thing. Well, I think it depends if you're. Uh, I think it depends on the level because you, you can have autism in different ways. Like there's people. That yeah, are, yeah like, I think there's some autism that's really disabling. Right. Yeah, there's totally. Some I I've heard the neurodiversity argument taken pretty extreme by people that are, have specialized in it, and I mean I obviously agree that it's uh, like just a disability at some point, but in terms of like autism, I don't know what would have. Do you know what like a a fundraiser for autism awareness would do? This is it like research? Yeah. I don't know. I would. Assume it's something that would fund more because reproving yeah. the vaccine. Like, well, yeah, it's exactly. yeah. yeah. I mean, it's been that. proven many times over, but we just want to confirm it is the vaccines. Right, the we vaccines know it's the vaccine. Yeah, awesome. I know. Well, that's the thing is that, like, well, maybe that is the thing is is because we need to fund that research because people are still clearly not educated. I don't think that that's going to convince them though. I don't really think it's about really? like the facts. Yeah. Well, because I think anybody who really respects the scientific so, process has come around already to the yeah. fact that it's not caused by. So I don't think a new study, all these anti-vaxxers are going to be like. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, that was it. That that got me. Sorry, Jenny McCarthy just like turns in her anti-vaxxer card. She's yeah, like, she's like, you got me. This one had enough people. I'm sold. Yeah, yeah. She, <laughs> she's a infinity license listener. I know. But, yeah. Hey, what's up, Jenny McCarthy? What's up, Jenny McCarthy? Um, loved you and singled out from my childhood. <laughs> and uh, the and I also think that like yeah, there's different ranges of autism you can have functioning. Uh, like I think there's definitely been people. There's been times where I've like I've met people and I'll be like. Okay, like we're, we're like we're on a spectrum, right? And certainly, there's sometimes where people, I'm sure, meet me and they're like, "This guy is on a spectrum." <laughs> that doesn't seem too likely. I know. Uh, thank you. You flatter me that I'm saying that I'm not autistic based on mm-hmm. one. Meeting. Based on tonight. <laughs> I disagree. Anyway, that's been Infinity <laughs> Lessons for this week. Uh, oh, we got to wrap up. Yeah, Lauren. Thank you for thank you Lauren. Do you have anything you'd like to plug uh, related to your work or anything? Like that you mm, um, eat less sugar. Hell yeah! There you go. I'm on that. Michelle Obama's out of office, but Lauren yeah, is Yeah, I'm here. here to carry the torch. All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, follow. So, oh, yeah. Like, oh, us, we, yeah. like us on SoundCloud. Like us on iTunes. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Obviously, you're listening to us. You're listening to us on one of those three things. Uh, but subscribe on iTunes or subscribe on uh, Stitcher or SoundCloud, please. Infinity License. Follow us at Infinity License without the E at the end on Twitter. Uh, and follow Lenny and I on to our Twitter social media. For me, you'll get mostly angry stuff about the Jets and Mets. From Lenny, you'll well, get a lot of We're cool. going to re- pick up that eugenics thing that we briefly touched on earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Find out a lot about the truth. The, the truth about uh, brain size. and Brain shape. size, <laughs> phrenology, how to, how to ensure the survival of our race. Yeah. All right. Uh, All right. Well, Lauren, thank you. Thank, Lauren, yeah, nice thanks, thanks guys. for being here. Yeah, Lenny, I'll see you. On Friday, I guess I don't see you soon. Yeah. Right. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.